Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. It's great to see everybody. It's uh, wonderful to start the year with you and to be able to see your faces rather than just have my back turned to you. Um, but as you probably guessed, I'm going to need some, uh, need some help now. You talked about it. What is it? What's a disciple? I've not really prepared a message. I need you to help me out. <laughs> um, just joking. Um, yeah, what, what's a disciple? Give me, give me some ideas that you've been talking about. Apprentice. That's very, that's very good and almost is a spoiler for my sermon, so thanks for that. <laughs> really good. Yes. Well, what do you mean by an apprentice? I like it. Steve, I like it. Very good. Any others? Yeah, great. I don't know if everyone heard that from Kirsty, but to follow someone, you could be a disciple of Jesus, you could be a disciple of anything, I guess, and you kind of follow them. We use that, that language, which is, is great. So I, I guess we could go with a definition of disciple, and you've probably talked about that. What is a disciple? But let's, if I ask the question differently, I wonder, um, wonder how you'd respond. And I'm not going to ask for people to, to answer this one or go into groups or anything, but let's imagine I put it differently. Let's imagine I said, um, when you think of that word then, disciple, what mental image comes into your mind? What's, what's your image of a disciple? What's the posture a disciple's often in? I said I wasn't going to ask, but you guys are too keen. I've really got you going. A fisherman, yes, good. A disciple's a fisherman. So you, Nick, you see them in, in their boats with their nets, do you? That's good. Oh, this is good. Yeah, we sorted. Brilliant. It's really good. Um. It's, it's funny because for me, yeah, I mean, we might have all sorts of images, but I would have, I presume Nick's images from the disciples, the 12 disciples, and my image would be the same because it's interesting. If I was asked what is a disciple, I'd probably usually go straight to the word follower, like, uh, like Kirsty said, is a follower. But my mental image would be different to that, and it wouldn't be a fisherman, actually. I think I'd go with something more like this. Let's, let's go here. This is a, a picture painting by the 15th century painter Frangelico, um, and it's from a very specific situation in Jesus and the disciples' life. Just in case you need some help, Jesus is the one sitting down in the middle, and then you've got the disciples, all 12 of them. You can count them, count the halos, and you've got them, okay? Um, but my mental image would be more like this, I guess. And what I mean by that would be the posture is one of sitting. It's the one of sitting at the teacher's feet. Um, it's of listening. It's of learning. A student, possibly. And that would be the traditional image that I would have had uh, of discipleship, which is funny because that's different from what I'd ask if you, if you, I said, if you asked me what a disciple is. The, the follower image, and certainly the apprentice image, which we'll come back to, is an active image. You're following, you're walking, you're going somewhere. The listener image is a passive image. It's someone sitting there, they're receiving, they're learning, but it's very passive. Now, just, just to be clear, obviously, being a disciple of Jesus would, le- would involve learning, listening, receiving, and all of those sort of things. And uh, that's, uh, it, this is uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, and that's what I presume Fra Angelico was trying to communicate here. I, I'm sure a similar scenario would have taken place uh, at that time. Um, but, but really... The Gospels are really clear that this is not the go-to picture for discipleship. I mean, it's funny to think, actually, that if you imagine what the disciples were actually listening to at this very point, if you think, right, when they listened to the Sermon on the Mount, many of you would know the body of teaching uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus' teaching in that sermon, what they would actually have been passively hearing, was encouraging them to be anything but passive, while these disciples sat there, Jesus was spelling out how to live as a disciple. 
And he said things like this, live in such a way that your good deeds shine so that others would come to know Jesus. That's how active you should be in your good deeds. He said he, he was encouraging in this message in the Sermon on the Mount for people to be absolutely ruthless in resisting temptation and cutting sin out of their lives. Not just hitting the big, flashy, public sins, but going to war against lust or deception or hatred or unforgiveness. Jesus was telling the disciples, they sat there at his feet, he was saying, don't just forgive your enemies, don't just do that, actively love your enemies, put them above yourself, honor them above yourself in some way. He was encouraging them to build practices of private prayer, regular fasting and generosity into their lives. And he ended the whole of the Sermon on the Mount with this, uh, this uh, by underlining the, exactly why he thought this was important. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, he says this, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine, yes, they hear, they're sitting there, they're listening to the teacher, but there's an and, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Discipleship is not just about listening. It's not just about looking the part. It's not just about turning up to meetings. It's about putting into practice what you've heard. It's listening. Yes, listening is really important, but it's acting. It's an active thing. And so I want to, uh, I want to change the image. Steve was way ahead of me on this one, but changing it from a listener to an, an apprentice. Let's see how we can do for that. Eleanor on thing. There we go. No, 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 we don't want that one. No, no, let's do that instead. That's better. No, it's a bit niche, Judah, like that. No, there's good. We'll go with that one. That's, that's fine. An apprentice. Here we have, I, I kind of, uh, like Rich did his research on spelling, I kind of had to look at kind of crafts, practice. I think that's a cobbler. I think that's what you called him. Maybe when you used to fix shoes, I'd just get a new pair at Christmas. But anyway, um, there's a cobbler with his apprentice, probably a Victorian sort of image, I guess. And just imagine the scenario for that little chap with his hat on. Um, he would be an apprentice of the cobbler. He would listen to the cobbler. I'm pretty sure of that. He would hear the, how to do it from the cobbler. He might even go on some cobbling conferences every now and again or read around the cobbling subject. I, I don't know how it would work, uh, really, as you can probably tell. But, but actually, that would be... Um, at best, half of the story, because you see, an apprentice, an apprentice is somebody who's listening so that they can act. They know that in their very definition, they are being trained to do things. You can't do an academic career as an apprentice. Let's do, the, do my undergrad, do my master's, do my PhD, another PhD. No, nothing against academic careers, just so you know, that's absolutely fine. But that's not an apprentice, that's a different thing. Apprentices are going to do, they know they're going to do, because that's in the whole word. Everything for the apprentice is leading towards action. I think that's a really good picture of who a disciple of Jesus is. And I'd like to introduce this basic idea just today. And I want to explain how I think this is incredibly relevant to us as a church as we start 2022. See, some of you who've been around for, I say a little while, not even that long, will kind of be a little familiar with some of the things that I've already talked about because we've been in the Sermon on the Mount recently, haven't we? Does anyone remember? Any, any bells ring for this? Just one or two, okay. Um, yeah, in March 2020, in fact, I think it was April, we started a, a series of talks on the Sermon on the Mount. It went on to, 
to December, actually, that year, pretty much the, the whole year from April was on this topic, on the Sermon on the Mount. And we looked at these radical teachings of Jesus in the talks each week, teachings about living radical lives of proactive obedience. So that was April 2020. But at the same time as that, some of you may remember, <laughs> something else happened that kind of, I think, really challenged the image of a disciple as a listener for us. Now, for the whole lifetime of this church, I don't know, 25 years, is it? 26 years? Some 25, I don't know. So, something like that. It's a while. Okay? As for most churches, we have had a particular space where we come to sit at the master's feet, where we do the Frangelico painting. We sit at Jesus. I'm not saying the master's the preacher, me or Jonathan or Rich or anything like that. We sit at Jesus' feet. That's what we do. We worship him. We, we, we listen to him. We look to hear from his voice. And that space would be on our Sunday morning services. For the last, uh, I don't know, almost a decade, it would be at this particular school, at King Edward's Girls' School. And obviously, in about March 2020, suddenly that wasn't possible anymore. And for 17 months, it was 17 months, unbelievable to think that. 17 months, we, like so many others, we were a church community who were unable to gather together to sing worship and to listen to the Bible being taught and to gather all as a church. And I'll be clear that was a loss for us. We lost something in those 17 months because this is a special place. It's a special place to come and sing songs of worship, to gather together as a community, to listen to the, the Bible being taught. But as it was removed, for many of us, some big questions started to be asked. I don't know if you'd be in this category, but I know some of you certainly would. And there were questions about the nature of those meetings that were like the, the jewel in the crown of our church. What's Church Central? Well, it's not just a service, but come on a Sunday and you'll see. That was how our services were. Well, what, now they're gone. What are we? What does being a disciple look like when I can't go there anymore? I, I can't go to that place. I can't stand and sit and listen to the notices and drink coffee and hear the preach and all of that stuff. What does it mean? And I think some of us started wondering questions like this. Could it be that those meetings that were meant to be fuel for discipleship had become our primary model of what discipleship actually was? Had the place where we are meant to have learnt to become disciples become the place where we thought our discipleship was actually lived out? Had we started to think of a disciple of Jesus, not as a radical doer of his teaching seven days a week, but instead as someone who listens and hears and attends at most four hours a week? Had we got muddled up in our view of discipleship? And listen, those are not small questions. Those are not inconsequential questions. Let's go back to Matthew 7 and see where Jesus goes. Because listen to the stakes that Jesus puts on this question of what we think a disciple is. It's a famous story. The kids, as you're sure you're aware, are building towers today (laughs) on this. They're building houses on sand and rock and stuff. Because lots of you will know this, this. But I'll read it to you. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine hears and puts them into practice. Who's that person? He is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine knows this person is not someone who's out there. They're not someone who doesn't bother turning up. 
They're not someone who's never heard of Jesus. They know they're here. They've been here. They've heard many words. They hear, but they don't put them into practice. That person's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The difference between getting this right and wrong, this disciple stuff, is the difference between standing firm and collapsing in a heap with a crash. In the intense storms that the last couple of years have thrown up in so many different ways for so many different ones of us, you know what? Tragically, many houses have fallen with a crash. I don't know if you know anyone who'd be in that category. People who a couple of years ago were going on with God. They looked part, the part they were, we were shoulder to shoulder with them. They're not going on with God now. People whose lives, maybe they're still holding on to Jesus, but their lives have collapsed. Maybe you feel like you're almost in that place today. Well, in many of those cases, not all of those cases, but in many of those cases, actually for those I know in that boat, when I've scratched beneath the surface a bit, what I've found is the problem wasn't that they'd skipped out on a few meetings. No, the, the problem was that they had reduced their discipleship to just being there, to being a hearer, to being a listener, to being an attender, and that is never enough to get you through the storms of life. Jesus told us this 2,000 years ago. So as a church, we went into lockdown in 2020 hearing listening to Jesus' words about radical discipleship in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we spent 2020. Here we are in 2022. We're out of lockdown. Well, at least at the moment. Okay? It's different. And what we want to do now, we want to switch our emphasis onto the putting into practice side of things. And you know what? That's going to involve listening. There is still listening. We still sit at the feet of the Master. That's what we do. And we're going to be speaking each Sunday in January on uh, how putting Jesus' teaching into practice might look practically for us. But it would be kind of silly just to kind of think, right, listen carefully about how listening is not all there is. That would kind of defeat the object a bit. So we're going to use this series to launch a kind of a new area of church life um, that's going to help us put this stuff into practice. We're going to be starting a, a whole load of discipleship groups. We've been trialing them in our uh, community group for the, the term, and as far as I can tell, they've gone pretty well. And so we're going to be uh, spreading that out throughout the church, and they're going to be done through our community groups and uh, to be a vehicle to really help us like to put this stuff into practice, to stand alongside each other, to build ourselves up as uh, bands of brothers and sisters, to say, look, we're serious about this. How can we help each other, not just to be hearers, but to be doers of the word of Jesus? So basically, I'm not going to tell you a whole lot more about that. I'm just going to whet your appetite. All I'd say is, if this is going to be done through community groups, we'll talk more about it on a Sunday, but it's going to be done through community groups, please get stuck into a community group. They, your community group leader <laughs> will tell you everything. The community group leaders are probably looking at me now like, no, I won't. I don't know this. Don't worry. Everything's fine. <laughs> Soon, they will tell you everything. Okay? But I'm not going to spill the beans about that today. I just really want to raise the question today. The question is this. What kind of discipleship, or sorry, what kind of disciple are you? Are you a listener or are you an apprentice? wonder how you make that judgment. Consider. It says in the Bible regularly we should make a sober assessment of ourselves. Well, let's do it. What's our discipleship? Is it just listening? Is it just turning up? Or how is our lives different from 
if we weren't a Christian? Is it just going to some places? Well, if not, what is it? Are we a listener? Are we an apprentice? Maybe the more relevant question is this. Which one do you want to be this morning? It's funny because Jesus had a method of gathering disciples, didn't he? I'm sure you're aware of this. It was very simple. Uh, It involved two words, actually. He'd go out to people, and again, question for the audience. Just prepare you for that before I ask it, although you warmed up quite well earlier. I know it's a bit chilly. So anyway, what were the two words? What was Jesus' method of gathering disciples? What did he say to people? Follow me. It was just he went up to people. Peter, follow me. Okay, throw the fishing nets in the sea. Uh, Levi, follow me. Okay, quick tax collecting. Follow me. He went around doing that. Quite famous, quite famous words, seemed to do the job. Um, but also, what's funny is that Jesus also had a method of putting off disciples as well. Did you know this? He had a method of def- uh, deferring people from that particular course of action. Um, and what he would do was people would come to him, often very eligible prospective disciples, and say, hey, I'd like to be in, a, in your gang, Jesus. I think that would, be a, that would be wonderful. I would offer my services here. And he would deliberately put them off. And uh, probably the most famous uh, example of this would be a guy who doesn't have a name. He's just called the rich young ruler. He does what it says in the tin. It's just describing this guy. He's rich, means he's got resources. He's got clout. He's young. He's got potential. He's a ruler. He's got influence and status. This is the guy you want as your follower if you're starting up a new religion sort of thing. Okay, brilliant. Jesus must have been delighted. And he's like, I want to be in. So what does Jesus tell him to do? Give away all of your money and then come and follow me. Give away all of your money and then come and follow me. What's he doing? What he's doing is he's saying, he's saying, look, the thing that is most difficult for you to do, I want you to know that following me at some point will mean giving it up. And therefore, I'm going to be kind to you. And at the beginning, I'm going to spell it out. Are you up for that sort of following me? It says that the guy walked away sad. You know what happened to that guy, but he didn't take the offer. What Jesus was doing is he's outlining what we've already looked at today. Following him is not going to be just about listening and attending and hearing. It's about radically putting into practice what Jesus says. Now, just to be clear, Jesus doesn't tell every one of his disciples to give away all of their possessions. We see other cases of that, different things in the Bible. But I think what we can say is this, for every disciple of Jesus, Jesus will tell you to do things that strike against your core lifestyle ambitions. It might not come right at the beginning, probably best if it did, but it will come. Even he'll tell tell you to do things that go against your perceived sense of who you are, your very sense of identity. When Jesus recruited followers, he made sure they understood the cost of being his apprentice. And I feel it would be very amiss of me today not to do the same. Listen to what he says in Matthew 10, 38 to 39. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. Whoa, that is heavy duty. That's an intense statement. If Jesus hadn't said that, I couldn't say that to you today. That would be awful. But Jesus said it. What are you saying? Just to be clear here, let's just put it into plain English. Let's not you lose the force of this because some of us have heard this before. Jesus is saying that the active obedience that he requires of his disciples is going to be so costly that at times obeying him will feel like you are being crucified. What? 
It's no wonder that a lot of these people said, wait a minute, second thoughts on that whole disciple thing, Jesus, I'm back fishing again, or I'm going back here. But it's important that we take that seriously, but that we also listen to the very next thing he said. Because without missing a beat, Jesus followed that up in this way. He said, yes, if you refuse to take your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. But listen, this is important. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up for your life for me, you will find it. There's a cost to being a disciple, no question. But there's also a huge incentive. In this costly discipleship, we find life, actual real life. And this is so relevant and important for us in the 21st century. Everything in our culture at the moment is designed to turn us into consumers. It's from every angle. Everything wants you to be passive. Consumers of entertainment, consumers of food, consumers of gadgets. The posture of a 21st century Westerner is becoming more and more and more and more passive all the time. The goal, I think, and the ambition that is being sold to us and people are rushing headlong into, and the temptation for all of us to do is this, is to sleepwalk through our lives, collect experiences, but leave no mark on the world whatsoever. It's not life. It's a shadow of life. We are being programmed to experience life secondhand through screens and products and see others living and assume we're doing it. And the danger is then that you never actually live yourself. Do you want to live? Do you want to be alive? Jesus offers you life. Called it life in abundance. It's a life of flourishing. It's a life that you can take hold of, that's substantial. It's not just a life to observe happening to someone else and just to click a like on it. And it's going to be really hard. Jesus will tell you to do things that you do not want to do. But as we do those things, we find life. Just like he said in Matthew 7, if you hear and you put it into practice, you stand firm in the storms. Because why? Because your life has substance, because you have strength, because you have wisdom. And even when things get tough, then you can live. But Jesus is saying, if you cling to a different sort of life, if you cling to the life of ease and the life of comfort and this secondhand life, well, you're going to miss the whole point of why you were being made, and you'll lose it. The, probably the biggest danger here is you are swallowed up by that life, and you just become a shadow. You don't know how to live anymore. Yeah, Jesus offers life. He's, let's be under no illusions. The call to be a disciple is a tough one. But it's also an incredible, amazing privilege. And it's a privilege that nobody else is offering us at the moment. The question is, will we take it? I want to illustrate this in one final way before, before we uh, kind of respond to this and we close. And uh, I've got one more picture for you. And it's a picture of two mountains. You'll see, we had one already. You'll see where the other one comes in in a minute. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, essentially, uh, there are two chapters close together where the disciples are on mountains with Jesus. And we've seen one, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. In Matthew 10, just kind of a couple of chapters later, they're back again. Okay, they're back on the mountain with Jesus. And I wonder if the disciples thought in Matthew 10, aha, we've been here before, we know what's happening. Mountain, 
Jesus' disciple, great, ready, I know what to do. And they went to sit down, cross-legged, get their pens and their notebooks out. Jesus, we're ready, we're listening. Now, if they had tried that, they would have had a very nasty surprise because this was a whole different mountaintop experience. Here, Jesus' tone, he was talking to them. It was not, hey, sit down and listen, guys. Can't lean back, you sitting comfortably, listen to my words. No, this time, he sent them out. Go. That's pretty much the substance of it. Go. Go, exclamation mark. Do the business yourselves. This is what it says in Matthew 10, 7 to 8. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received. Guys, remember Matthew 7, you received, you sat here for hours with me. Me listening to these words that have been etched into culture for thousands of years. You were there at the beginning and they're open-eyed and their mouths are open and it's amazing. You received, now give. Disciples receive, but now they give. And that's what they had to do in Matthew 10. I feel as a church, we've been up a Matthew 7 type mountain for some time. We were literally there in some sense in 2020. We studied Matthew 7. We studied the chapters before it too, the Sermon on the Mount. But for many of us, we've been on Matthew 7 for years and years and years. We've sat through a million sermons. We've sung a million songs. We've heard a billion notices probably. (laughs) But we've been up that mountain for years. I think this year, God wants to take us up the Matthew 10 mountain. He wants to send us out to put that teaching, what we've received, into practice. We're a people who have received. Please know that. Those of you, I know many of you, I know that from our church here, but some of us have roots that go back even further, further and further, and you're not even that old. But you've been around for ages. You've received, and you've received, and you've received. Now God's saying, you've freely received, give. I'll be just really clear. This is an encouragement for many of you just to keep going and doing what you're doing. I'm not saying nobody is doing anything at all. I know loads of you know a whole lot about giving. It's one of the things about this church I love is this church is marked by people who put into practice the words of Jesus. And if that's you, Jesus would just want to say, well done. Keep going. Some of you might be saying, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because I've been giving and how can I give any more? How can I keep doing this? Well, Jesus would say, can't trust me. I'm with you with this. And remember, this is life. This is how you find life. Don't fall for the Instagram pictures. This is life. Perhaps for you, the change in this season is for you to help others onto that same track that you've been on for some time. Because I know this as well. There will be others here in this room today and others in the church too who God wants to call to a whole new type of discipleship that you've not really scratched the surface of before. Your Christian life has been characterized by thinking about what Jesus has to say. Might have been about having good intentions to do the things that Jesus has to say, but not doing them. And now God is calling you to put those good intentions into practice. And as you do it, one step at a time, He's gentle and gracious like that. You know what? He'll be there with you, and you will find life there. What does that look like? We're going to look at that for the next few weeks, actually. But just as a heads up, in the passage in Matthew 10, uh, there was some healing the sick. There was some healing leprosy, rape, kicking out demons, and all that sort of stuff. You know what? It might look like that for you. Who knows? 
But I think for most of us, it's going to probably look a little simpler. Might be taking your devotional life seriously. Might be really working on your marriage. Might be taking up the responsibility to actively train your children in this discipleship of Jesus. Might mean taking hold of your job in the spirit of serving God and serving others, not just getting a wage. Might mean prioritizing relationships with others inside the church and outside the church. Might mean getting radical with sin and temptation in your life. All of our apprenticeships are going to look different, but we're all called to be apprentices of this master. Let this be the year that we grab hold of that opportunity and that privilege. I'd love it if that was said over us at the end of this year. Pete said before, didn't he? Strap on your seatbelts. It was something like that, wasn't it? If, if that's the journey God takes us on, you know what? There'll be some hairy lefts and rights, I'm sure of it. But you know what? I want to be there. Will you strap on your seatbelts for that?